0: Imagine checking into the hospital for routine surgery, your first surgery, only to find out that you are severely allergic to the anesthesia. Hello and welcome to Round Trip Death. This is a platform for people who have had near-death experiences and for those who are wondering what happens after we die. Some people's NDEs are short and sweet while others are long and consist of tons of detail. In today's interview, we're going to hear the latter, lots of detail about what happened to John, who was shown room after room and given detail after detail by his spirit guide. We'd like to welcome to the show today, John Davis uh, from Colorado, and we're really glad to have you here. And this is a little bit unusual because normally we've done a pre-interview and I know quite a bit about your story. And and this today's going to be more of a surprise. And so this is gonna be this is gonna be a whole lot of fun. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on what led up to your NDE and and then we'll jump into it from there.
1: Sure. I'll I'll tell you how it started. Um, my dad had just won two scooters from work or mopeds. I guess back then they were called mopeds, and I was out driving one of them around, and I turned around a corner and and the road was a squirrel. Well, the squirrel turned every time I turned, and I ended up slamming into a tree. And the way that I hit, I landed in such a way that I tore the tendons off the bones in my hand. So I had to go in to have a surgery. I'd never had surgery before, so I didn't know what to expect. Well, what ended up happening and what caused the NDE was I had an allergic reaction to the anesthesia and it stopped my heart. And I was actually, I guess, I guess what they call now clinically dead for seven minutes. But what was so extraordinary is that it felt, my experience on the other side felt like I was there for an hour. There was so much Details. so many things got packed in so quickly that when I came back into the hospital, I had, it seemed, I couldn't believe it was only seven minutes. So that's how it started.
0: Well, I think seven minutes is a long time when you're, (laughs) when your heart is stopped. Yeah.
1: I don't mean to laugh. That's true. I don't mean to joke
0: about it because it's so serious, but.
1: uh, Yeah. And they had, they had the paddles. They shocked me the whole, the whole nine yards.
0: That's really scary because you know, we all have to, it seems like most of us are gonna have to get surgery sometime. And yeah, Yeah. we don't know if we're allergic to that stuff. So now now we're just putting the fear in everybody else that may have to have surgery, their
1: first surgery one day. I I should have realized I had um, something wrong because I went into, I think when I was either 15 or 16, I went into the doctor to get glasses. And you know, when they put the drops in your eyes when he put the first drop in, everything was fine. When he put the second drop in, I blanked out, completely blanked out. And I have no idea why. this this really a strange phenomena? So I, don't, I've, I haven't had too much of a success record with anesthesia.
0: That is kind of strange. Okay. Tell us the beginning of your NDE. How did you know that you were someplace else? And what did you first
1: see and do? Sure. As soon as the as soon as the anesthesia went through and I closed my eyes because my heart stopped and I died the very next second. I mean, it seemed like it was just seconds. I was on, or I was standing in this building. It was the most beautiful building I have ever seen that I've ever seen in movies or in pictures. It was this long corridor. This, it was so long. I could not see the end of it. It it, it could have been miles for all I know. It was beautiful, made of white, pristine marble. Off to the right, there were these gorgeous Greek columns like you see at the Acropolis. Greek buildings, you think of the columns and that's exactly what they were. They were like 30 feet high, 10, 15 feet wide, and they went all the way down on the right side. Well, to the left of those columns, Maybe about four or five feet were these tables again marble tables and marble seats four seats around each table, and again the, the tables went all the way down they correlated to this to right to the to the uh, to the columns, well to the left, and this is the part that I wish I had had a I had a painting to show you and show your viewers what it was like because I every time I try to describe it I, I can never adequately describe what it was like but try to picture this off to the left of where these tables were maybe about five or six feet again was marble beautiful white marble and cut it it looked like doorways or tunnels had been cut out of this marble they were perfect rectangles and they were doorways I found out later that they're actually they're tunnels we use those tunnels When we leave an earth life, when our life is finished on earth, we come through those tunnels to the other side. So right about this time, and I had never heard any of this before because I was raised a Catholic. There was no such thing as a near death experience. This wasn't talked about. Nobody knew about them. The first thing that I heard was I heard this voice in my left ear, and it said, my name is Alan. I'm your spirit guide. And I didn't know what that meant. So I just went with everything. I just went as it was going. And he, every time he showed me something, he took me to the outside of the building first so I could see what it looked like. Then he took me inside. Well, he told me to, on one of these tunnels, again, they were going, they went all the way down next to the tables. He told me to go look in one. And what it looked like, it, it was pure black it was like looking into space but i could see stars and galaxies and planets it was it was magical i'm just curious did you go through one of those tunnels to get there no that's the thing that's so strange and you've probably heard this the what what is a n- normal near death experience normally what people do is they'll have an accident like i had or they'll have surgery and they die and they float above their bodies their soul gets out they can look down and see everything that's going on, and then they see a tunnel, and then at the end of the tunnel is this white light. Where I was, and I, I don't understand how this happened. I, I, even to this day, I don't understand how they did it, but I was transported to the other side of that white light. What's on the other side of that light? When people go into it, they end up in what is called the orientation center, and that's where I was where the columns were in these tables and these beautiful tunnels, at every one of these tables sat two people. And my guide told me that these two people, they what they do on the other side is they're orientation counselors. They help people remember where they came from. Because the other side, when you came into a lifetime, we somehow have amnesia about who we really are and where we really come from. So when a person lives a long lifetime, they forget where they're from. And so these counselors, what they do is they help people remember where they came from. So my guide told me to look at the next tunnel. So I looked up, and the next tunnel, there was a man who would come right through, and he had his hand on the top of the door, or the top of the open way, and and he pulled himself through. He was probably... He was elderly, maybe in his eighties or nineties. And he was, he had his hand, his right hand holding his chest. And my guide said he died from a heart attack. So he had just died. Well, the woman that was sitting closest to him, one of the counselors, she stood up, she walked over, she took her hands in his, and she walked him back over to the table and they sat down and she sat across from him. And the whole time, she was holding his hands. She started talking to him. I couldn't hear what she was saying because I was, I was a little bit too far away. But my guide said to watch him. I could only see the back of him. But all of a sudden, right in front of my eyes, he began to change from a man in his 80s or 90s to a man in his 30s. And I couldn't understand that. But what it is, is everybody on the other side is in their 30s. I don't know why that is, nobody told me that. That just seems to be the reality. You can appear at any age you want, but the common age appears to be 30. So what the orientation counselor was doing was telling him that he had just finished an earth life. This is where you're from, this is home. Now you're back again, you completed your lifetime. And as people remember that, They go back to the appearance that they had before they went to earth, their normal, normal form. So that was called the orientation center.
0: So when you say they're helping people remember their past, are you talking
1: about their past on earth or
0: prior to earth?
1: No, just earth. Okay. Yeah, just, just the lifetime they finished.
0: And I, I wonder why they forget it. That seems interesting. But I think that is so cool that you actually saw people, someone regress in their age to a much more yeah. healthy, beautiful time. That's
1: awesome. Yes. Yes. And they're, they're, what's so amazing is that you don't have any age on the other side. You don't have any sickness. Your body doesn't get cancer. There's no there's no death. It's, it's a perfect world over there. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Well, anyway, when he she was talking to him. He, a little, a few minutes later, he stood up and he walked over to the right and he walked between the columns and he stepped down three steps. There were three marble steps next to each one of these columns. And he was in what is called the gardens. Well, the gardens is the place where everybody has their reunions. The reunions are for that person who had just passed to meet again with everyone that he or she knew before he crossed. So maybe parents, maybe children, maybe friends, family, everybody is there to welcome this person home. And the reason is coming to earth, it's a really big deal to come here. I never knew that, but this planet that we come to earth is the hardest of all the planets because there's so much stuff that goes on here it's so hard in life and that's by design that's set up by god not that there's so much horrible things here but the planet was set up for us to come here and to learn because that's why we come into life here so anyway he goes out to this to the crowd and everyone's applauding smiling hugging him that you know he did a great job and when you get back it's, it's just a big deal. It's, and they want to congratulate you for surviving your life. So that's what they have. And all the way down, these gardens are so, I, I can't even describe how beautiful they are. The most green grass you could possibly imagine. And if you can picture a beautiful, maintained English garden, that's what this looked like. The trees were beautiful and the flowers and the plants. So that's where they have their reunion. Well, the next place, oh, I want to tell tell you this for your listeners. There's a temple in Turkey, in the country Turkey, and it's called the Temple of Artemis. A-R-T-E-M-I-S, Artemis. That building looks like what I saw in the orientation center, the long, long building with columns all on the outside. It's gorgeous. And it's, it's called the temple of Artemis. So then he took me to, we left that, we left that part of the other side and he took me to a building that was rectangle. And again, these are all really large buildings and it had columns around all around the perimeter, just like the orientation center did. So he showed me the outside first and then he took me inside and inside our theaters, almost like what we have here. When you go to a movie theater, you have the seats and you have the screen. Well, this one was a little bit different. The theater that I was in was round. It was a round theater. And up on the top were the movie screens, but there wasn't just one. They went around in a circle all the way around the whole room. So every, everywhere you looked, you could, see, you could see one of the screens all of a sudden the screens came on and like it's like they were playing a movie and what they were showing were different aspects of my life when i was a little toddler when i went to elementary school when i played soccer in second grade or what it was like what i was like in sixth grade it had all of these movies playing of my life all the way up to the age that i was now or then which was 21. well i found out my guide said everybody has a life review. So what he was showing me was the process of what we go through when we get back to the other side. And the life review, you've probably heard of that. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard yeah. of the life review.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people and a lot of people go through that as well in their NDEs. You mentioned earlier the word normal like going through the tunnel. I don't think there is a normal because every single experience I hear is a little bit different and that's true. And, um, and so, but, but that's part of the fun of it. And maybe we'll talk later about why we think they are all a little bit different. Sure. But, um, but for now, so the, you're in the life review, who else, who else is there?
1: Is it just Alan, your guide or are yep. there more this people? just my guide, just my guide okay. and me. Yep. And it was, it's amazing that so much detail and I'll, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but, everything is recorded and i don't know how that happens it's again that's a god thing but your lifetime somehow god is able to record your life and you watch it when you are doing the life review and you can actually feel what you felt at that time so everywhere i looked i could see a different age that i was and when if people die at an older age they will see more facades of what their life was like all the way through their entire lifetime. So that was called the life review.
0: Let me just ask you a question about the life review. Was this a feeling of guilt and shame or was it happiness? Or, I mean, how did you feel with all this going on? It seems kind
1: of scary to have a review like that. There was, there was no, nothing scary at all. It was nobody judges you. You're not judged at all. Um, It's really designed to see if you completed what you would hope to accomplish in that lifetime. Because all of us come into life for a reason. There's a specific reason why we come here. It's, It's to learn. We have different reasons. All of us have different reasons for coming in. But there's really two major ones. And the first one is we come in here to learn lessons, to experience things here, that we can't experience on the other side the negative things here and the reason is the reason is because we learn best by not having things be perfect you learn the most when things are when something happens you don't learn the most from a success you learn a lot from a failure so we come here not to fail but to have experiences that we can learn from and the second reason we come here is to make a difference with our lifetime To try to help others that's what they want us to do you know live your life do your best but also when you can help those who are less fortunate so those are the two reasons that we really come in and the life review anybody can see it it's not just you you can go look at anybody's lifetime you if you want to look if you want to look at the life of Muhammad Ali you can go and look at his lifetime But yeah, no fear, no judgment. It was just, this is what happened. This is what was going on at the time. All these different screens show different aspects of your life. And again, it was just for learning. Eric, the thing that's so amazing is the place that he took me to was only a small part of the other side. And it was like someone asked me the other day, it seems like it was like a college campus. And that's kind of what it was like. All these buildings the, you know, these different temples all were in roughly the same area. So it was relatively small in terms of the other side, because the other side is, it's like a planet. It's enormous. But the place where I was, there's a huge emphasis on knowledge and learning. And I don't know if people go to, to the place where I was to learn things, if that's the only reason, but there was just such an emphasis. And, and even now is as, as humans, we're pre-wired to want to learn and to grow. We don't want to stagnate, we want to keep learning. Well, God set it up on the other side so that we are eternal beings. We never die. So knowledge never ends. So the next so that was that part. The next thing, and this part was was hard for me because I was raised Catholic. We were so Catholic, my family, my mom, my dad, my sister and I, or my two sisters, we went to Catholic church three times a week, and then on Sundays, so we went to church four days a week growing up, so I was indoctrinated with the Bible, and the next building that he took me to, again, was rectangle with the marble columns out front, and this one was exactly similar as the other one, but it only had one screen. It was... It's what our movies, what our current movies look like. Our movie theaters now just one screen and what he was doing. He wanted to show me that we have past lifetimes, that they're actually real. And on the screen, he showed me three of them. The first one was of a monk in a monastery and I had a shaved head and I was wearing a red kind of a gown or a robe and my job was at that time was to teach these kids about the monastery. So he he showed me three. The second one was of a fisherman. I had a a little um, wooden boat and I had nets. And what I did is my job was to catch fish for the village. That was the second life. The third life, I was a peddler and I had a wheelbarrow. And my job was to fix people's shoes so I would I would collect them from the people at their homes or wherever they were. I would go back to my shop, fix them, and then wheelbarrow all these shoes back to the people in the community. Well, at the time, when he said these are past lives, I had a really difficult time trying to understand that because that was never mentioned in Catholicism. Well, what happened, once I had my NDE and I came back, I went to see a hypnotherapist because i wanted to see our past lifetimes really real and sure enough i went to see one and i saw 3 different lifetimes in addition to the ones that i had on the other side so we can have as many lifetimes as we want it's totally up to us nobody forces us to come here we come here of our own free of our own free volition
0: so how do you reconcile the religious beliefs with that did, did you have to just give them up or is there some way to compromise those?
1: You know what, that's that's a really good question. When I got back, it took me about a day and a half before I realized what had happened. I didn't know. My first thought was when I was standing in that orientation center, my first thought was I had no idea the hospital was that large. I had no concept of where I was. Well, after the experience, I wasn't a Catholic. I, I couldn't say that I was Catholic anymore because I just didn't believe in all the dogma. I believe very much in Jesus and very much in his teachings, but I'm not, like, I don't go to church now. I listen to different pastors on Sundays um, on YouTube, just because I love to hear, uh, there's certain speakers I love to hear, but I don't actually go to church anymore. I'm not really, what I would say is a I'm not a practicing Catholic but I do believe in Jesus and what he taught. So yeah, that was, that was really interesting part for me.
0: Yeah. That must've been kind of difficult to reconcile
1: that. Yeah, it it definitely was definitely hard, but I got through it. And I I would say that I'm not religionistic anymore. I'm more spiritual and more open-minded than I used to be. And the thing about religion is that religion is man-made. They, Men actually wrote the Bible. Um, men decided who was going to be what kind of books were going to be in the Bible. And um, so I just I just don't believe in a lot of the dogma. Just I believe in Jesus' life and what he did. So that was so that was the the part where he took me to where we see our past lifetimes. And again, you can go there and you can look at anyone's life. All of that is is open for people to view, and it's all for the purpose of learning. And that's a huge thing, like we talked about, that the other side, just like we are here, we're, we're kind of pre-wired to learn. Everyone wants to keep learning because knowledge never ends. So that was that aspect. The next thing he took me to was an enormous round building. I mean, it was, I can't even describe how huge it was, just this enormous round building. and it, it had a dome on top. And it had the white columns all the way around in a circle. Well, what this building was, and I I, and I don't know why they do this, but this is the place where people go where they plan their lifetimes. And you actually plan a lifetime with the person that becomes your spirit guide. And it's very detailed. I mean, it, the lifetimes that you plan for, there are specific reasons why we come in. You, you choose what country you're going to come in, what language you're going to learn, um, what college you're going to go to if you decide to go to college, or what's your career going to be? Are you going to have kids? And all, all of these things are part of your life planning. And for some reason, this is the building that we go to to plan those lifetimes. So I went inside, and again, with marble, beautiful white marble tables, and there were two scrolls on the table he took me to. And have you ever seen papyrus scroll or papyrus paper? It's kind sure. of brown looking. Well, they were they looked like that. They were rolled up on the table. One had a blue ribbon around it, and the other one had a red ribbon. I don't know what the difference between those two were. I don't know why there was a blue and red one. But I picked up the one that had a blue ribbon. I took off the I took the ribbon off. And I set it down on the table, and I, I spread it open like this. And what I could see was the whole document was full of black writing. And the writing, that it looked like, do you remember ever doing calligraphy in school? Where you had that you had that pen, you dipped the pen in the inkwell, and you yeah. write with that? That's what it looked yeah. like. Very formal kind of writing. Yes, yes. Well, when I tried to read it, it folded up again, just like that and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to read it and the reason is we're not we're not allowed to see what we planned while we're here because it invalidates the test we all test ourselves when we come into a lifetime here and if we knew ahead of time what we were going to do we may not have done it mm-hmm. so that's so that's why I wasn't able to read it but he wanted to show me that we all actually plan our lives it's really very detailed
0: so would you say that people who are who are, um, whatever the term should be, permanently dead versus just having a near-death experience, do, do you think they get to read that whole scroll and you didn't because you
1: were coming back? I think so. I, I know that then people who aren't coming back, they can't read it. It's only the people that actually finish their lifetimes do they come back. And I don't know if they come back and look at the scroll or that they, if they just do the life review. I'm not sure about that. So anyway, so it's folded back up. I wasn't able to read it. And when I looked to my left, there was a window. This window was gigantic. And outside of the window, I could see people walking by. And this is the first time that I saw people. And this this place where I was, it was really busy. I mean, there were people walking back and forth like, like you were on a wall, like on a like in a New York street, on the other side of where these people were walking, they, they were like some, on some kind of a sidewalk, something they were walking in front of this temple. There was a beautiful lake. There's so much nature there. The lake was so clear, you could see the bottom. And all the way around this lake were weeping willow trees. The you know the weeping willow trees that hang their leaves down like that, and they were just the leaves were just sitting in the water. It was absolutely beautiful. So I could see a lot of people. Well, he, in that same building, he took me to an area that looked like a gigantic library. And you know what Encyclopedias or Encyclopedia Britannica's look like? Sure. These, these books on the shelves looked like that. They were all the same color. They had gold writing on the, on the binding, but it didn't go horizontal. It went from top down. Mine, he took me to mine. Well, it wasn't really mine, but he took me to my soulmate's book. And I'll explain that in in, in a second because I had never heard that term. But my soulmate's name is Nina, N-I-N-A in gold letters. And the book that was her book is a book that talks about her lifetimes, everything about her. And all of us, have soulmates. God created us with a perfect mate. Well, here's the part that's that a lot of people have a hard time with is usually your soulmate doesn't come into a lifetime with you. And the reason is if they did, you probably wouldn't learn anything about relationships because you have a perfect relationship on the other side with this other entity. So you come into life and You have relationships that you learn from, but you don't normally come into life with your soulmate. And everybody has a soulmate in all of these books that had the beautiful gold lettering and everybody had a different name. So if you wanted to learn about your soulmate's book or that person's lifetimes, you could go look in these books. It was just it was just blew my mind. It was just I was so amazed. Mm. I I had never even heard the term soulmate before he was telling me this the whole time i was i was in this whole area how was he talking to you by the way just like we talk just like we're talking and he, he talked into my left ear it was like he was standing right next to me the entire time and i never i never thought to look and see who this was there 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 wasn't really any time everything seemed to be going so quickly that I didn't even have a a chance to process what was happening. I was just going through it. The next building he took me to looked like a stadium, like a football stadium, but it was huge. I mean, it was like the Broncos stadium we have here. It was probably five five to 10 times the size of that one, just enormous. Then he took me inside and inside, were thousands and thousands of seats. This place could accommodate thousands of people. What it was, was a planetarium. And on the ceiling, it had a dome ceiling. And we have those here on Earth. You can go in there, you can see different star systems, you can see the galaxy, they'll show planets, things like that. Well, that's what this was. So I was in there, and there was someone behind me who was, who was actually the facilitator or the person that ran the planetarium on the other side. And it was a guy. I I didn't turn around to see who he was. I just heard him. And he said to me some things that were phenomenal. He said, let's begin. So the lights went out and I sat down and he said, when you look at the stars, meaning people on earth, when we look at the stars from earth, This is what you see. And he started showing our planets and our solar system. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, all of them started showing up. Then they disappeared. Then he said, when we look at the stars, meaning everybody on the other side, this is what we see. And planet after planet after planet started showing up. First, it was a dozen Then it was hundreds, then thousands, and then millions of planets, millions. And he said, there's far more life in the universe than you possibly know. And that's when I realized we don't have, we don't just have lifetimes here on Earth. We can have lifetimes in unlimited places, planets everywhere. And that that was a part that was probably one of my most favorite parts to know that this is not the only place we can come to. There are millions, multi-millions of places we can go. So that was what I called the, the stadium. So
0: for the scientists that are trying to see if there is life anywhere else out here in the galaxy, you're yep. saying obviously there is. There is. A lot of life.
1: I got to tell you something. I was, um, when I, after I had this experience, I started researching, because again, I was there was nobody who was more skeptical than me. Well, I started I started studying about astronomy, and I realized that the astronomers estimate that there are two hundred billion stars in the Milky Way, like our sun is a star. Two hundred billion, and they were saying if there's only a small fraction of those solar systems if they had planets, that means there would be millions of planets just in the Milky Way. Well, if you could imagine what it's like in the universe, endless, endless numbers of galaxies, and they all have stars and the percentage of those planets that can support life. It's just, you just can't wrap your head around how large that is. So that that I had to to do some research because that just blew my mind. So amazed.
0: Yeah. And those are numbers we can't even relate to at all.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't even, I have a hard time imagining how large the Milky Way is compared to the universe. I just can't even comprehend it. Right. All right. So that was the planetarium. The next place he took me to, I think was probably my most favorite. Again, he took me to the outside and it was a building that, again, Greek, Greco-Roman architecture. It looked like the Supreme Court building. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's got the, the pointed roof on top, marble, and all the columns are in the front, all the way up and down. And there must have been, I don't know, maybe 100 stairs, 50, 100 stairs to get to the platform where you walk in. I didn't know what the building was. I, when I looked at the side, the side of the building, it went so far, I couldn't see the end of it. It looked just like the, like the orientation center did. It was that just a huge, huge building. Well, when I got inside, I realized it was a library. There were people everywhere, and the people look just like we do. They're they are not orbs of light. They, they have form. They have substance, just like we do here. Our bodies there are more perfect than our bodies here, but they're much lighter. They're stronger. They're lighter. They don't get sick. You don't age. You can't get hurt. You're, it's just a... It's your perfect body, but they're solid. Well, anyway, he showed me the library, and they had huge stacks, like 20 feet high, where this all the way down. You could just see library books, one after the other. And people were researching. People were talking. People were sitting at desks talking. Well, he took me to a place on the left-hand side of the building. You know how in our modern libraries now we have study rooms off to the side? That's what these looked like. They looked like study rooms, but they were on the left-hand side. They were maybe the average size of somebody's living room about how big they were. Well, he took me to this one and I was standing outside the room and I was, there was a woman who was in there. She had jet straight black hair down to her waist. She was wearing like a purplish kind of pinkish um, tunic or robe of some kind. And she was watching something on what we would call today was a flat screen TV. That's what it looked like. Well, back in 1987, when this happened to me, we didn't have flat, flat screen TVs. There were the big, huge TVs that you couldn't mount on a wall. So I didn't know how to describe it other than it was just it, was just, it looked like a TV that mounted on the wall. My guide said, look at what she's watching. So I started looking at it. She was watching what I thought was a movie, and it was a battle that took place 200 years ago between the Native Americans Plains Tribe and the U.S. Cavalry. And I I said, I thought to myself, how can this be that we didn't have recorders back then? We didn't have movie cameras. And he said, everything is recorded. What this girl was doing is she wanted to research that particular aspect of Earth's history. So anything you wanna learn about, anything you wanna see, you can go to these different rooms. I I don't know the mechanism of of what they do to plug in that particular time period, but any particular time period you wanna learn about, you can by going to these different rooms. I just thought that was absolutely fantastic because I love history. I think a lot of people do like studying history, so if you wanted to learn what it was like on D-Day in Normandy, you could you could go in these rooms and you could watch it. That was that was just extraordinary. That just blew me away.
0: Well, and that would be a whole lot more accurate than whatever we read in history books, anyway. Exactly. Yep. So plus to be able to actually see it happening. So did you did you stop and see anything for yourself, or just kind of look over her
1: shoulder? No i I just went I don't even know how we got there into these different places there was yeah. I wasn't walking, I wasn't floating it was like we just appeared there somehow I don't, I don't know the means of that of the mechanism for that. I have no idea how that worked so this this
0: Alan, your guide that's been with you this whole time do you have, do you have any idea who he was was any he any relation to you or anything like that or just a guy i had
1: I had no idea. I didn't even, when he said he was a spirit, my spirit guide, I didn't even know what that meant. I'd never heard the term before.
0: And did you have a chance to meet anybody that you already knew there? No, I didn't.
1: But I I did see my animals. Believe it or not, Hmm. God created our animals with souls also. Just Just like we transition, so do they. So any pets you had when you were a kid, they're there they're young again. He showed me two of my cats that I had growing up. And as they got older, we we had them for a long time. They were probably 18, 20 years old, and they both developed cancer and we had to put them to sleep. Well, when I when he was showing me this, the my cats looked they were young again in the prime of their lives. They weren't they didn't have cancer anymore and they were playing. There seems to be an area on the other side where they keep all the animals. They don't have to stay there, but that's just where they stay until Hmm. we come back and get them. So you come back and you can get your animals and you never have to lose them again. So every animal that you loved as a pet is there. And that was, that was such a neat thing to see. It was such a, it was just, I almost started crying. It was so beautiful to know that God is absolutely extraordinary and he created the other side for us and gave our animals souls. So that was a great part.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it was so nice to know that.
0: So was there more than this? This is a lot already that you saw. No wonder you thought it was an hour longer.
1: Yeah, it, it felt like an hour. The next place he took me to, and this is, this is amazing, on the other side... Everything that's beautiful over there is also on the Earth, but it was on the other side first. So when you look at, the, if you went to Greece, for example, and you looked at the Acropolis, the Acropolis, all the different architectural styles of the Earth came from the other side first. There, everything is on the other side before it's on Earth. People just seem to get infused sometimes when they want to develop a structure. They, they got that from the other side. And the same thing with medicine. Every All the cures are already on the other side, and they get them from infusion. And I don't know how that works, but they they do. Well, the, the next place that he showed me, it was – again, he took me to the outside, and it was a castle, just like the kind of castles you see in England or France, huge, made of stone but they were perfect. They looked just like they did when they were brand new on Earth. And what this was, there is such an emphasis on learning that if you wanted to learn about that particular st- or that particular time in Earth's history, you could go to this place on the other side and you could see what the buildings looked like. So he showed me the castle and he said, go ahead and walk in. So I walked in And on the floor, the first thing I noticed was a beautiful red carpet, and it was beautiful, perfect red. And it went all the way to the whole interior of the castle. Well, off to my left was this huge wall, and on the wall were life-size paintings of people. And the the life-size paintings, they had the same clothes that they wore during that time period, And their faces were the faces of the people that had lived there in history. So all the queens that had lived there, all the kings, princes, everybody had a a life-size painting. And the idea was you could walk into this castle and learn about these different time periods and learn about these people's lives. Well, here's something that just blew my mind. In front of each one of these pictures was a podium and on top of the podium was a book and the book was folded out so you could walk up to it and flip through the pages. But what these books were, they were books about that person's life, that lifetime in earth. So if you wanted to learn about King Henry VIII, you could go there, you could see what he looked like, and you could read about his life. It, was, it blew my mind. So I, as I was standing there, I looked off to the right you know how castles have those circular staircases that wind up? Sure. That's what this one had. And there was a woman that was coming down the stairway. She had strawberry blonde hair about to her shoulder, orange peach color gown or tunic. They uh, they all seem to wear tunics and gowns um, or they wear jeans and T-shirts, really anything they want. But a lot of people wear tunics well, she walked up to me and she said, is there anything I can help you find? You know what I said to her? I said, no, thanks. I'm just looking. <laughs> I thought that's the stupidest thing I could possibly have said. I could have asked this girl anything. And all I said was, no, I'm, I'm just looking. Yeah, habit from a clothing store. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it felt like. No, I'm, I'm just looking, Thanks. Well, my guide told me that on the other side, everybody has things that they love to do, that God gave everybody gifts. And on the other side, you pursue the things that you love to do. And what this girl loved to do was study history. And she was an expert on that particular time in Earth's history, the medieval period. So if you wanted to learn about the medieval period on Earth's history— not only could you go to the castle, see their pictures, read about their lives, but you could talk to this girl who was a historian about this particular time in Earth's history. So there is so much learning that goes on. It's, it's just extraordinary. Learning never ends. So that was the last building he took me to. And he wanted to give me an idea of some of the things that people do on the other side. It's not just about people sitting on clouds and playing harps. <laughs> none of that's real. People actually have lives and they, they pursue things that they love and earth really is the illusion. Earth is not our home. We are just here to learn, to develop, to grow and to experience, but it's not home. So here's the last part. And this is, this is kind of how all of this started he took me to a field, uh, a, a wildflower field in a meadow, and it was absolutely just, just gorgeous. Just a gorgeous meadow, flowers, every kind of color you could imagine, about knee high. And when he took me there, my guide left. So I was standing in this field by myself. All of a sudden, in front of me, a man shows up. And, I, and I don't, he, nobody told me this, I just knew it. It was Jesus. He was wearing a white robe and he had a golden sash around his belt. I mean, around his waist, like a belt. I could see his hands, I saw his shoulders, I could see his feet. He was wearing sandals that laced up his calves all the way to the knee. Well, he was he was different than everybody else I saw. I couldn't see his face. It was like his face was so bright, I couldn't see. It was like lightning coming out of his face. So I couldn't make out any of his features. But he talked to me. And he said, you must tell them there is no death. And what he was referring to was my job now is to tell anybody who will listen to me that there is no death. And the instant that that happened, I was whoosh back in my body on the operating table. You know how you sometimes hear people say I was given a choice to come back or not. And they always say, Oh, I I really just want to stay here. Well, if they had offered me that I would have wanted, I would have stayed. I I had, when I got back from that experience, I went through a horrible, horrible depression. It was, it must've been two months. I didn't want to be here. I wanted to be where I was I could not imagine living here 30 or 40, 50 years when I knew how beautiful it was when we crossed over. So I had to go through that. My mom helped. My mom helped me with that. Um, she had read Life After Life. She had read that, and I never did. And that's when she began to explain to me what what really happened. That I actually had what they call now a near-death experience. So what I did, I made the decision that. Just what he told me to do, I was going to tell people what I saw. So all this time, all of these years, I have told people. But it's it's funny, Eric, because I, I don't know why they showed me all of that. It wasn't meant for me. It wasn't just something that they gave me for the purpose of giving it to me. They showed it to me because I was supposed to share it but I don't know why I had that. I I don't have, I don't have a podcast. Um, I don't, I don't even have a website. I don't have any way of mass sharing this. Well, a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what? I wonder if I could just write this whole experience down on Facebook. So I did about four years ago, I wrote the whole thing out. So now I really feel like I've been so fortunate just to be able to share my story because it gives people hope, hope that when they lose their loved ones, they're not gone. And I can't tell you how many texts I get from moms. And this is, this is sad, but I get a lot of texts from moms who tell me that their son committed suicide and they wanted to know what happens to them. Well, I know that they take them to healing centers on the other side, they have real healing centers where they're loved, given compassion and counseled, given counsel because they're really upset when they get there because they think there's nothing else. So that's what happens to people when they commit suicide, they're not punished, no one judges them. And I, I was just in a position to feel so thankful that I can help these moms understand that their son isn't really gone he's just in a different place. And that when they finish their lifetime, they'll be back with him again. That's really
0: great. And it's something that I think we should keep in mind um, is to just, we cannot judge. Absolutely. You know, we, we don't know what somebody is going through that gets them to that point. What kind of pain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or whatever. Exactly. We just cannot judge. And, and there, there are some religions out there that makes it sound like we should judge and yeah well I'm true. not here to judge the religions but <laughs> my yeah, personal yep, opinion either. my yeah. personal opinion is we we just can't judge and so that's neat that you heard that and are able to hear some of those moms and you know even without a huge platform you know there's there's some of us small platforms here but even without a huge platform sometimes the message that you have to deliver is just for that one individual you know what that could be
1: true that's probably very true.
0: There, There's probably, and probably a whole lot more than one, but one in particular person that you've really made a difference in their life by sharing this story and by letting them know what Jesus told you to say.
1: Yeah, yep. I had a girl that contacted me from Morocco, and her name was Lucia. And she contacted me because she was dying from cancer and she was afraid. She was scared of the dying process. Well, from my experience, I was able to tell her that the actual process of dying is extremely simple. It's something we've done many, many times before. And it's, it's, it's just like taking off a coat or stepping out of an old car. That's what it feels like. And then you're free. It was it's just, and so I was able to help her with that.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think I'm getting to that point. The more people I talk to about this, the more I realize and and everybody tells yeah. me that's had an, NDE, I don't fear death anymore. that's that's the most Absolutely. common thing that I hear from every single yep. person. Every experience is different, but that's that's certainly one of the major commonalities. I think the thing that I fear is, yeah but i'm I going to have a lot of pain and suffering in that <laughs> for who knows how long in that process
1: you know what that's that's true that's something I don't want to deal with. I just want to go on my sleep exactly exactly
0: so and, and that brought up something that we mentioned earlier that we were going to talk about, which is uh how do you how do you reconcile the fact that so many different people that have had NDEs have very different experiences why aren't they the same I
1: don't know i I really don't understand that. I think, from a lot of people I have heard about, the only similarities have been, you know, they'll get up, they'll their soul will leave the body. They'll be looking down. They'll be they'll be able to tell how many doctors were there, nurses, and then they see a tunnel with a white light, and they see someone coming down the tunnel who says to them, "It's not your time. You have to go back." That's been my experience with so many people's near-death experiences, but they're they're so varied. Some people have experiences where they see Jesus. Jesus talks to them just like mine. Other times they'll have experiences where they don't see anybody. They'll just be in a beautiful field. Other times people will say that they saw buildings like I saw, and other times they have people who talk to them. I, I don't know why, and something that I've always wondered is, is it possible that they knew that I was going to have an allergic reaction to the penicillin? I mean, not, not penicillin, to the anesthesia. Because it seemed like everything that they showed me, it, it seemed like it was organized, like it was planned ahead of time. Take, take me here to tell you this, to tell people. Take you here to tell you this so you can tell people. So I don't know how they did that. I, I just I don't understand how they could possibly have known if, that, if they did. So that, that part's new. I don't, I don't understand why why people see different things. But
0: they definitely seem prepared for you. Can we go back and talk about that scroll that you opened up? Yeah. Do you, do you think that, um, you you mentioned that every everything in your life was laid out on that before, you know, not for you and for everybody before we come here. Does that mean we can't deviate from that? And does that mean that that scroll would have us deciding ahead of time
1: to actually make certain mistakes. How does that work? What I was what it was was explained to me is that even though you plan the major areas of your lifetime, you still have free will. So you can you can deviate from your chart anytime you want to. It nothing's nothing's locked in stone. But the major things that you write down it's like it, it doesn't have detail like oh i'm gonna break up with this girlfriend when i'm 20 years old it's not that kind of detail it's usually just the main the main points of your lifetime that make up a life and the lessons you learned but it's it all of it's subject to free will because we don't remember what we charted we don't because we're not allowed to remember but if you look back on your life you can almost see that somehow it was organized My lifetime here was organized and that's where it comes from is from the chart. So, yeah, that's, that's a great question, but that's, that's what it was explained to me that we do have free will.
0: That totally makes sense. Is there
1: anything else you want to tell to everybody? I would tell people that my experience wasn't just for me. The experience was to give people hope and encouragement that those who have crossed before them, they'll be with them again, especially if you lost a child. Everybody is there when you cross over and you have wonderful reunions. All of us have so much to look forward to. And as hard as life sometimes gets here on Earth, it's all worth it when we get back, because everything will be taken. All the pain is gone all the suffering, and you're left with those memories and who you became from having that lifetime. So just to be hopeful and encouraged. That's a
0: great message, a message of hope. All right. Thank you so much, John, for being with us
1: today. Thank you for inviting me. I so had a good time talking with you, Eric.
0: I learned a lot and our hope can always be increased. That's a good thing. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. If you've had a round trip death experience and would like to share it with us, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to me, eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you've found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend, rate us five stars, and be sure to visit roundtripdeath.com. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next.